the eyes of our heart would be open, that light would come, areas of darkness would be dispelled, hope would arise concerning our calling. In this day, in this generation, the high calling that's in Christ causes us to see it like never before. That every strategy of the enemy would fall to naught. That your victory would be seen over every circumstance of life. We thank you for that. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for everything that will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. Saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, prospered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. So good to be with you this morning. And uh, I believe God has uh, some things for us. And uh, we began a series of messages here talking about divine connection. And uh, on Sunday night, tonight, uh, come back, we're really uh, just entitled the, the things we began for here a couple weeks. Um, uh, I don't know, they titled it different, and so I got two titles here, but just getting ready, the, the simple uh, thought of it is getting ready for revival. So we're in revival, we've heard about that, we're in the beginnings of revival, but the church needs to be ready uh, in revival. And so we're talking about really from Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, about the body, the strength of the body, the members of the body. You know, and as, as I was studying that, I was just thinking about it, you know, watching a football game the other day. And again, part of our understanding of covenant connection will help us with this. But, um, you know, uh, no football team, number of athletic teams are like this, but especially football team, you know, you have a center, guard, a tackle, tight end. And uh, for every running back, it's so important that those guys are in their position. Right? So important that they're in the position. Any running back that gets a running play, say, to the right side, and the right tackle says, you know, I think I'll stay home today. You don't have any need of me. The running back would say, are you crazy? And the defense would just chomp at the bit going, all right, if we could get through, listen, you know, there's supposed to be a line. They're supposed to be joined together, have their blocking assignments. If there was people missing, they would just have a heyday running through the gaps. You know, then I began to think about this. Did you ever play? This might be too old for most of you. You know, we have a pretty young congregation. Uh, did you ever play Red Rover? <laughs> you know, you have two teams, and what do you do? You link arms. The Bible says we're joined together where every joint supplies. So you join arms, and you say, Red Rover, Red Rover. Send the lightest person over. <laughs> Right, because the whole point is they run and they try to break through the line. And if they break through the line, they get to choose somebody and take them to their team. So usually you try to get the lightest person. And then, boy, you link arms and they come running full speed and jump into your arms. And, but, you know, if we just went up, then they would consistently take members of our team until we were defeated. 
right? So, you know, the body of Christ, if we don't realize that, the enemy comes, breaks through, and takes people of our team continually, we'd be defeated. But if we understand our place, our giftings, and we link together, and the enemy comes, he'll not be able to gain any. And as a matter of fact, we'll move into his territory, start taking people from his kingdom into the kingdom of God. Amen? So we're talking about things like that on Sunday night, how to find our place, how important it is that we join together in these days, preparing for a revival that will not only awaken the church, but reach the lost. For Jesus is coming soon. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Jesus is coming soon. All the signs of the time the scripture says, you know, there's something beginning. Well, why would he wait if we're close? Well, there's still many people who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So he's not slack like we would say, what are you waiting for? He's, He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. So there's many, many people yet to be saved. I believe the harvest can come quickly if we're ready to take in the harvest, to equip them quicklier, more quicklier, more quickly. Uh, yeah, we, we can make up our own words these days. Quicklier. Um, and, uh, and begin to see our neighbors, our friends, uh, our work colleagues uh, catch on to the light that is within us and the grace that's on our life and see that come. Praise the Lord. All right, so we want to get into this today talking about uh, divine connections and really God's plan for divine relationship, covenant connections, his plan for divine relationships. As we started, you know, some months ago, we started talking about our, our mindsets. And there's a number of areas that, that we have strong, we should have strong mindsets in and not let the enemy build up strongholds. But as I was going through that series and looking at it, I began to see, I probably should have reversed it in the year, but I can only do what I feel like the Holy Spirit gives me when he gives it to me. But started seeing and talking about that that if we don't have a mindset or an understanding of covenant, all those other areas will break down. Because the main relationships that exist for us as Christians is our relationship with God, our family relationships, our relationship with our spouse, and our relationships in the body of Christ. And they're all God-ordained relationships, so they're bound together by covenant. By covenant. Yet in our Western mindset, if we have very little understanding of covenant, then we're really not joined together in this divine purpose. Though we have some understanding, we're not really joined. We get into our Western mindset, our democratic mindset, if you will, that we can do whatever we want, say whatever we want. But that's really not covenant relationship or covenant mindset. Uh, And so if we could get a greater understanding of it, I believe that we would see some things uh, in a greater measure and we would move forward. Even as I was saying, we'll move forward as a joint unit covenanted together by the blood of Jesus Christ in these divine relationships, these connections that God has created for us uh, in the light of strength. And so Hosea chapter four, verse six, he said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, or my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you read on just a little bit, it says they've they've not wanted correction, or they've not really wanted knowledge, and they've forgotten my law. In other words, they forgot the covenant. They forgot the terms of the covenant, and so it goes on to say a number of things. So they forgot. In other words, they lost knowledge of the terms of the covenant that they had with God, and so they were perishing. And so when we get into a subject, which I I really don't, I I want 
you know, there to be some synergy here between us because uh, this won't be a super intellectual uh, thought. Covenant might not be something you think about, but I'm not that intellectual. I'm just going to try to bring some basic thoughts and ideas to get us a knowledge of covenant thinking so that we can begin to get it in the forefront of our thinking, not back of our thinking, but very first thing in our mindset when we're confronting something, we realize that we have a covenant with God, and what does that mean if I have a covenant with God? Not I'm born again and I'm getting to heaven, but I have a covenant with God. And I'm not looking to heaven. I'm looking right now face to face with a circumstance that is in my life. I'm looking at something God's called me to do. I'm looking at utilizing my gifts or my talents. I'm looking at the adversary coming into my life. And how am I looking at that? If I'm looking at that through the eyes of covenant, it doesn't make me afraid. It doesn't make me ashamed. And it doesn't make me want to draw back. Because I know that in covenant, I am one with him. The God of the universe, the almighty. God, the one who there is nothing greater than him, nothing stronger than him, is standing not just with me, he's standing in me. So that sounds good, but I got some situations. But if you didn't know that, if God is over here somewhere, and I'm over here somewhere, then I'm taking on every challenge to the best of my ability. But God doesn't want us taking on our challenges with the best of our ability. He wants us taking on our challenges with the best of his ability. And so we're going to try to crack this nut open a little bit. And I don't want to, you know, I just don't want it to be me talking to you. I want the spirit of God to be talking to you. I want it to be something that you start to think about. And process in your heart and your mind. Again, coming from the old and the new and trying to relate some of the things that will take place and how we look at it. Again, the old covenant and the understanding that they had of it was still a covenant made with the blood of bulls and goats. And God was in this isolated uh, temple and holy of holies that he lived in. And the terms of that covenant were awesome as far as God's blessing, but they were inadequate in the sense that man's life could not be totally changed and transformed with the blood of animals. As pure as it was, it was still the blood of animals, which that blood or the life of an animal could not change the life of a human being. It could only cover the sin because it was an innocent life. So the life of an innocent animal could cover the sin for a year of mankind, but it could not change the life of man. And so under the old covenant, there was always a reflection that we are inadequate to fulfill everything that God has called us to do. And we find what God has called us to do are the terms of that covenant written on stone. But he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to cut a better covenant based on better promises. And my laws aren't going to be written on stone that you read with natural eyes, that you walk away and say, I hope I can do that without failing. He says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to write them on your heart. And you're not going to look at them on stone separate from them and say, if I could just do that, you're going to look at them on your heart and say, I'm fully equipped with God in me to do this. 
Thus, the difference between the covenant of grace and the covenant of the law. The covenant of the law always showed up that I could not do it, and the blood of bulls and goats was not adequate. My offering of raising my own bull, my own goat, my own lamb, by my own hand was not sufficient. But the Lamb of God was sufficient to not only do something for me, but totally change everything within me. Within me. And so we understand the basis of the covenant, how the covenant works. If we can grasp it even to a little bit of measure throughout these next couple of weeks and think about it, it'll start to change how we think about the scripture and where the scriptures talk about things even in the new covenant. How they're related. And if we think of them as simply our Western mindset, we're like, hmm, I don't see how that's going to work. But when you read it with a covenant mindset, you start to go, hmm, I think I see what he's saying to me right now. And so here in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say reasonable service of worship. So most of the time we think, you know what, give God all my time, give him my whole life, give him my, the action of my body. That just seems like that's not reasonable. I have got a lot of stuff to do, and God wanting all my time and wanting my life, that just doesn't seem reasonable. Could I give him a, a little bit of time on Sunday? Within my schedule, that seems reasonable. But see, in covenant, that's not reasonable. In your mindset... It, it, God, my couple hours of Sunday would be enough, but in covenant, two hours would never be enough because covenant demands your life. So Paul's talking to the Roman church in covenant terms here. It would be a reasonable service of worship because he, in covenant, Jesus laid down his whole life to break the power of sin that was dominating your life so that you could bring your life into him and experience his kind of life more abundantly. Not his life with a few sprinkles and really dominated by sin and the old nature, but the old nature broken, brought into the life of Jesus Christ, and now it's not me and him, but it's us. It's us. In the power of covenant. So when you start to understand covenant, you're like, oh, that's reasonable. For me to give him my whole life is just reasonable. So when Jesus was talking covenant, he said, listen, if you want to save your life, your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life into me, you'll gain it. We scratch our head. But if we understood covenant, we'd know exactly what he's talking about. Wow. I'm bringing my life to you, and it's going to unfold, and you're going to experience life like God designed for life to be. So he says, your reasonable service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So he said, listen, you can't be conformed to all the ideology, all the mindset, all the circumstances of the world. You can't live life according to the world's system. The world's systems are going away from God. But the kingdom of God and its systems can come right down into this world and navigate upstream and still develop and establish the kingdom principles 
in his body on the earth. But we have to renew our mind to what? The covenant that we have with him. The covenant. Because all the words that he gives us have to pertain to that covenant. So Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 says this, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Somebody say the everlasting covenant. Come on. It's not a covenant that we make and then forget about. It's an everlasting covenant. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you. Somebody say in me. In you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he said right here. He said I don't want you just simply doing good works for me. To say, look at what I've done for you. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to work in you. And together, we're going to do something extraordinary. In you. Not separate from you. Because when we do it separate, you'll always get into works. God, look at what I've done. And based on what I've done, I deserve you to do this. Look what I've done. And he's like, you did that? Oh, you must have forgotten, like they did in Deuteronomy, that it was me who empowered you. And when we realize, I'm not doing this for you, God. I'm doing it with you. That you are working in me through the everlasting covenant to do what you've created me to do. So then I don't come and say, here's what I did for you. You should do this. I'm realizing that what you're doing in me is producing something incredibly good. It's completing the course of your will for my life, which your divine will for my life is to become Christ-like. It's to become like you. And so we even miss that. We miss the idea, you know, we're just trying to do our best. But Second Peter said these promises that God has, and we'll get to this. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but every covenant, you have promises that are made that are sealed by that covenant. He said, uh, uh, through the knowledge of him, by his own glory, his own glory, his own virtue, he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Not just one, but he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these promises we would be able to partake of the divine nature. He said, every promise that I have made you, you say, well, now how am I going to be like Christ? He said, you really want to know? I made a covenant. Right in Genesis chapter 15, when he came to Abraham and he said, listen, you're going to be the father of many nations. He says, how's that going to happen? My wife can't have children. He said, I promise you. He said, how will I know these things will happen. And God said, you go get some doves and you go get a bull and we're going to cut a covenant. And that will let you know that everything I've promised you, I will perform. That's how Abraham stayed in faith. That's how he could encourage his faith by declaring God was well able to perform that which he promised because he looked back and he said, we cut a covenant. And when you have covenant understanding, God would have to die to go back on his covenant. 
and God's not going to die, and God didn't swear, and then Abraham swore. Hebrews said, God in that covenant swore by, no, by himself because there was no greater. In other words, when God passed through those pieces, he said, I vow to myself to make every promise come true. And when he promised that he would break the power of sin so that you could become a son of God and return to the plan of creation, which said, we will create them in our likeness and our image. He said, I'm going to return you to the likeness and the image of the son of God. You'll be like him. How am I ever going to be like him? Go back to the covenant. So we fall short because we don't understand. We're just like, man, I prayed that prayer. I'm doing my best to get to heaven. And so, you know, while I'm saying this, I know people's minds like, so are you perfect? Nope. Well, then what are you talking to us for? Because uh, God told me to. And the Apostle Paul said this. He said, I've got a revelation from above. And I'm not saying that I've apprehended yet. But one thing I do is I am pressing towards that which I know. I'm going to let go of the past accomplishments and the past mistakes. Because I have something that I need to move to. Why? Because I see it. And I see its magnificence, and I see its splendor, but I haven't yet got there yet. So this one thing I do, leaving things that would hinder me from behind, and I'm pressing towards the prize of the mark of the high calling, which is what? What's the high calling? Christ-likeness. So he said, I'm not going to just keep going back to this flesh and the limitations. I'm going to rely upon the covenant until I'm totally transformed. But if we don't know what that transformation looks like or we don't believe that God could transform us. And so that's where the knowledge of covenant comes in. Because if we're not careful, we'll think I'm doing good enough, which simply just goes back to religion and works. But when I see transformation by the Spirit of God, now I know. He's not over there and I'm over here. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory, which was the mystery hidden from the ages, the covenant that he always planned to cut with man, right? So he worked through it. Five covenants between God and man, some say six, from Adam clear through Jesus Christ, renewing and renewing. I have a plan, I promise. Bloodshed, covenant cut, then multiple covenants cut between people within the, the Bible because they understood the power of covenant. Always understood the power of covenant. So let's just get into a few things here this morning about the eternal covenant. Number one, the bond of covenant. To understand the bond of covenant. You ever heard this, this phrase? I think uh, there's too many young people in the first service. They didn't act like they heard it. You ever heard this phrase? Blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. So most of you, I mean, some of you may have heard this before, may, may be different, but most people, when you say that, they immediately go like, family, baby, family. Family's thicker than water. We don't really know what water is. We just know family's thicker than water. But really, if you go back to the ancient Middle Eastern covenant culture, it was actually phrased like this, 
Blood covenant is stronger than mother's milk. In other words, to make a blood covenant with someone was stronger than family bond. So through culture, it ended up being blood is thicker than water. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, what is born of water is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. So natural childbirth is, is birth in water. It still means blood, blood covenant is thicker than family ties. It always gets quiet like that. But we'll, we'll just show you a little bit, all right? Just stay with me. Don't quit. So Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you look at that word friend, that Hebrew word for friend, ahab, it, just, it means love. It means a lover. It goes into intimate love. But if you keep breaking it down, it actually goes into covenant love. Covenant love. The ha said of God. Mercy, loving kindness that comes from God. That's binding. So it says covenant friendship is actually stronger or sticks better than even family relationships. Now listen, you might be born of the same blood, but you could tell your brother or sister, I'm out. But when you tell somebody, I'm going to mingle my blood with yours, and these are the vow of my covenant, and you break that, if we understood covenant, it would be worthy of death. It's how binding it is. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3, it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. He loved him as his own soul. In other words, when they joined together in that covenant bond, they said, our blood has mingled together and we have become like one. That's how they understood blood covenant. And so there was covenant love between them that bound them together. That their bond in this particular place, I believe they were cutting covenant between David and Saul because of the battle that he won, but they were representative. Uh, Jonathan was representative of Saul in the way that took place, and we'll cover that uh, in, a, in a session to come. But um, then they cut a covenant later, and the covenant that they made with each other caused the bond that he had with Jonathan to be stronger than the bond that he had with his father. So through covenant with Jonathan, when Saul was hunting Jonathan, because of the covenant, then Jonathan shot an arrow out in the field to let David know, because Jonathan was for his dad, Saul. He said, certainly he's not trying to kill you. Certainly he's not doing that. And David said, yeah, I think he is. And so when Jonathan found out, oh yeah, he is going to kill you, he had committed in covenant to let David know if his father was going to kill him or if it was safe. So he let him know by covenant yeah, my dad, he would like to kill you. He saved David's life over the relationship he had with his father because of covenant, as if it was him. All y'all are with me. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. 
So he said, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you accept the sacrifice, you enter into covenant with him. And in that oneness of covenant, there is covenant love. And in the terms of our covenant in believing in Jesus Christ, the terms of the covenant, Jesus said, are this the the main terms that are written on your heart? That you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. In other words, he's talking covenant principle. You just don't love him on Sunday. You just don't love him when it's convenient. You don't just love him when it's emotional. You love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I'm covenanted to him through Jesus Christ and his blood. And so everything that I have and everything that I am is given into that oneness of a relationship by covenant love. And I have to love my neighbor as myself. As my own soul. My neighbor is my own soul. So we start to, he says, the children of God. So we get this in our our modern uh, uh, mentality. So I love my neighbor as myself. So I love the person at 379 such and such a street. My neighbor. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about your covenant brother and sister, your neighbor. I love them as myself. So he's talking covenant language here. We just thought, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm born again. I need to love people. No, he's talking about something that goes so deep into your soul that if you love him, you love his family. Paul said, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. So he's saying, listen, if you don't love people, then you can't love God because this is all covenant connection." So he was just, oh, I love God. I just don't like them. He's saying, wait, you're you're thinking superficial. You're thinking feeling and emotion. I want you to go down to the covenant cut. Because if you love me and they're mine, that covenant goes down. It applies to the whole family in heaven and on earth. He says, so whoever believes, loves him. He said, "By uh, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and we keep his commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. He said, how do we know we've arrived at the knowledge of covenant? Because I love people and it's not that hard. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I love people and it's not that hard. Oh God, do I have to love them? Well, you don't have full knowledge of covenant then. He says, when you get a knowledge of the depth of this covenant, you will love one another and it won't be that hard. Okay, we better keep going. Where did it, where, where was I? Oh, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. See, the world would say, pick and choose who you love and hate. Love those who love you. Hate those who hate you. Use those who use you. Jesus said there's going to be a different kind of covenant love. That you're even going to love those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. There's going to be an extravagant love through that covenant with Jesus Christ that will change your life and relationships forever and ever and ever. 
And it overcomes the world's mentality, ideology. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He who overcomes the world. Uh, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I'm having trouble overcoming. No, he's saying, who believes? Who believes in the covenant that came to us through the blood of Jesus Christ? Not just I believe in a person, but I believe in the person and the work, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the transformation that it brought into my life. Right? Praise the Lord. I just lost my place here. So Luke chapter 14, listen to this. Jesus talking in covenant terms. He says, now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Has that ever thrown anybody for a loop? All right, one honest person. How am I supposed to hate my father, my brother, my sister, my mother, even myself? He said, if you want to follow me, you need to count the cost because you're about to enter into covenant. And blood is thicker than water. He said, the covenant that I'm going to cut is thicker. Well, I don't like that. Well, he knows. He knows who your wife is. He knows who your mom is. He knows who your dad is. He knows who your kids are. And he actually wants to bless them. But if he's below them, he can't bless them. They would be blessing him. They don't have the capability or capacity to bless God in your life. God is the only one that has capacity to bless all those other relationships. So he says, until you put me first, this covenant can't come down. But when you put it first, it will come down to every aspect of it. So we'll cover this in just a little bit, but in a covenant ceremony, you have, say, the tribal chief, the two tribal chiefs, and they'll send their representatives to cut the covenant. And then when they say, here's, here's what just happened, here's what we just covenanted to. And this covenant that we just made, we're just letting you all know that it's going down through every generation of our tribes on both sides. And what's just happened is we are commanding blessing upon both tribes, all the families, and linking them together into one. But whatever blessing came on the top comes down through everybody because it started with the commitment from the head, from the head. So he said, you have to count the cost. Are you willing to envelop your life into mine first and foremost before any other relationship that the covenant relationship that you have with me will be the determining factor of blessing on every other relationship? It's powerful. So to know the bond of that covenant, well, what makes it so binding? 
Well, it's really the power of blood over contract. So we live in a culture where contracts are supreme, yet we spend most of our time in contract figuring out how it's not binding. So, or how we could get out of it. But in Leviticus, it says this, Leviticus 17, verse 11. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. He said, in the old covenant, he said, I've taken the innocent blood and put it on the altar. Why? Because it takes a life for a life. And so we take this innocent life and we put it on the altar, and the life is, the blood is poured out for covenant because that blood is its life. He goes on later, if you read just a few uh, verses down, he said, now listen, because the life is in the blood, I don't want you drinking any blood. I don't want you taking in the life of these animals. It's a different sacrifice. It's a different sacrifice. When we get to Jesus, we'll see the type of the, the communion and the covenant because of how important that right, that covenant right is. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So it's powerful. Oh, it's not a contract that we made with God that we're like, well, you know, I'll get out of it. No, he said it's, it's powerful. It's sealed by blood. When you read Hebrews, what he just said there, he said there's no remission of sin. He's talking about how the priest went in once a year to offer a sacrifice. But Jesus, one time with his own precious blood, he went in and he offered a sacrifice of his blood, not for the covering of sin that he'd have to go back every year, but one time for everybody, he shed his blood to cleanse us. Somebody say cleanse. cleanse. To cleanse us of all sin and to cleanse our consciousness of sin. It's where we struggle with covenant. He cleansed us. His blood cleansed us from all sin. Well, we're just sinners saved by grace. No, by covenant, you're not a sinner anymore. Not by nature. You are cleansed, absolutely cleansed from all sin. There's never going to be another sacrifice for your sin. The blood did it. It washed you. It cleansed you. And when you understand, listen, I don't have any sin. I don't have anything to go back on to refer to. I can move forward to apprehend the mark of the high calling, Christ-likeness. Because my sin has been cleansed. And when it cleansed, I was enfolded and engrafted by covenant into God himself by the spirit of the living God. Well, see, even says, if you want to know about this covenant, I gave you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that Christ died for you to change your life. That I put the Holy Spirit, the very life and nature of God in you. That you no longer go with the blood of bulls and goats to say God's going to cover it once a year and have the priest go in for you into the Holy of Holies to make it once a year. But you accept the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy of Holies is in you and in me. Wow. So he had to go in with his, I mean, blood had to be everywhere. He had to have blood on his thumbs, blood on his ears, blood on this, blood on that. And if it wasn't right and he went into the presence of God, he had to wear bells. So if he went down and had a rope, if he went down, the bells stopped ringing. They just drug him out. Because he didn't, he took sin into the presence of God. 
say, oh, we're all in trouble. Can't take sin into the presence of God. No, we're not in trouble because of the covenant. He cleansed us. So, but yeah, I, I still sin. You know, only because you don't have a knowledge, a full knowledge. Because I don't have a full knowledge that I'm cleansed. All right, I know people are like, no way. Yeah, wait. Wait, I can show you in the Bible. It's not like you can't disprove it and I can't prove it. I can prove it. All right, so the purpose of covenant. Here, we're going to wrap up today. You all all right? Man, if we can get this, I'm just telling you. When the enemy comes and says, well, this is just what you do, you're like, what? I don't do that. Sure you do. Let me rip off the calendar. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm cleansed of that. So he can't get you to go back to something you never could remember that you did. I know, you can hear some voices. That just sounds arrogant to act like you never sinned. Oh, no, I sinned. But the blood of Jesus cleansed me. So I'm not going back there, right? I'm not saying I've never sinned. But because of justification, that sin can't hold me any longer because it's been washed and left in the past. Now my future is not determined by my past sin. My future is determined by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the covenant that I have with him. And it draws us into that. All right, so the purpose of the covenant is always strength. It's always strength, not weakness. So we join ourselves. You know, when the, the missionaries that they talk about most that learned about covenant in Africa, they were always making covenant to protect their life for strength. They would bring in maybe the strength of firearms and stuff like that, so the Africans would want to join with them. But they knew we need the protection of these tribes as we travel through Africa on our journeys, so they would always make it for strength. And so Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. If uh, they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one uh, be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. So we might look and say, you know what? I have a covenant with my, my buddy, and we have some people. But, I mean, God's looking and saying, listen, if we have this covenant, we talked about this in marriage, we're covenanted together with God, there's a threefold cord. But you start to think about that cord that moves down, and now we're all covenanted together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you even get a glimmer of that covenant and how we can join together and em empower one another in times of weakness, Wow. Instead of saying, where's, where's everybody for me? To know that we're there. We bring strength to the table. And when we bring our strength to the table in covenant, we have every right that if covenant is known, then there's others taking up with their strength in my weakness. And all of a sudden, it's about strength. Strength covering weakness. Over weakness, we become stronger by strength for strength. But too often, just like in marriage, even in the church body, we're always looking to say, look what's wrong with them. Look what's wrong with them. And we're using it, our strength, to expose weakness. And the enemy knows exactly where to get the body because we don't understand covenant. But if I understand my part, 
comes in and covers another person's part so that the body is strong together. And we keep out the division and the pointing out what's weak and we join for strength. It's a wonderful thing to watch the body come together. Support to help to cover weakness. Praise the Lord. I've just had a, a, in studying this, just a renewed confidence. You know, when you're a pastor, sometimes you think, man, God help us. Maybe we're breaking down a little bit. Something happens, tragic and important. And all of a sudden you see the body rise, link together, love one another. And you're like, okay, God, I'm glad you're God and not me. Because what we might have thought was coming apart, you got and are bringing us together. It's powerful. It's for strength. Genesis chapter 1, Abimelech came to Abraham, and this is why. It's a covenant is always for strength. Listen to this. It said, and it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. So he said, we're making a covenant that doesn't just take care of me and you. It takes care of my kids, and it takes care of my kids that aren't born yet, my grandkids. That's how powerful the covenant he was looking to was. So Abraham said, I swear. But then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. So in other words, he said, if we're cutting a covenant, you can't be stealing my wells. So Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it till this day. So he said, okay, we'll fix that. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made or cut a covenant. So why did Abimelech come to Abraham? He said, man, God is with you, and I definitely do not want to be against you when God is with you. For, so for the strength of your covenant with God, I'm making a covenant with you. Wow. So listen to this. Paul starts to talk about this understanding in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's got a revelation from God. He's got a call from God. And he goes out to begin to speak of this revelation, to preach this revelation. And man, people come to bombard him. Messengers of Satan, he calls them, to, to, to squelch the revelation, to thwart him. He got very frustrated. And he asked God three times. He said, get this away from me. Get these people away from me. Get this messenger of Satan away from me. And God said, yeah, I don't think so. Like, Well, that's kind of mean of God. Why didn't God? See, we look at this. Why didn't God just do that? Because he said, uh, did you forget that we have a covenant? So he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, you remember? We're in covenant. 
I don't have to bring my strength from out here. My strength is already yours. And it's been given to you by covenant to cover your weakness. And so I know you're feeling weak right now because of all the stuff that's bombarding you. You let covenant go to the back of your mind. But if you bring it right to the forefront of your mind, that the revelation that you're preaching to everybody is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ over here having to come and fix it, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then you'll realize my grace is already in you. My grace is sufficient. And Paul went, like you have blown my mind. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness or my infirmity, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my weakness, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He didn't say, when I'm weak, then you're strong. He said, when I'm weak, I just draw on covenant strength, and then I'm strong. So sometimes we'll go like, do I have it? And we lose track of covenant that God's out here somewhere trying to bring it instead of we're in him and he's in us. By divine covenant, based on promises of transforming our life in the overcoming power of God, that we're not subject to sin and the way things used to be. But God has created a brand new life in covenant with him that will cause us to be changed and become the person we were created to be in the very beginning. And all of us becoming like him, knit together, creates a greater perspective to those outside of who he is through his body. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for divine covenant. Help us to grow in our understanding of it. That our thoughts, our minds, our emotions, when everything presses around us, we know that we have covenant with you, not contract. We don't have something over here that we need to do for you, but everywhere we go, you're in us. It's in you that we live, in you that we move, in you that we have our very being. Help us to grasp that Holy Spirit, to understand that to the measure that we live in today, to the level of maturity that each one of us is at. Bring a revelation of what that means to us, that the enemy, when he comes day by day, he'll find no place in our weakness For when we are weak, we understand covenant, and then we become strong. Help us to understand the bond of that covenant, that it's sealed with your life that you gave for us. So it's unbreakable on your part. So we can trust in that covenant every day. On our part, where we've missed it, or we've fallen short, we thank you for the blood that cleanses, that all unrightness would be washed away, and all righteousness restored. 
that tomorrow we could see the future that you have for us based on what you've done for us. Help us, strengthen us, I pray. You are a good God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for covenant healing, covenant restoration. Because of your covenant love, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. If you have any needs, want anybody to pray for you, altar workers will be up here immediately following the service. If you feel like just in learning about covenant, you want to recommit your life or you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it would be a great time to enter into that saving covenant with him. They'll be right here to pray with you, stand with you, pray that prayer of acceptance of that blood he shed and enter into that relationship, that covenant relationship based on his love for you, even today. They'll be up here and would love to pray with you. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.